Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois, and I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend, and the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Cloud Nothings is a wondrous, noisy rock and roll band who originally hail from Cleveland, Ohio. Founded by Dylan Baldy, Cloud Nothings began as a one-man operation, with Baldy writing every word and playing every instrument on the rather lo-fi records that they released initially before landing on a lineup that currently consists of Baldy, TJ Duke, Jason Garish, and Chris Brown. On February 26, 2021, Car Park Records issued a spirited and reflective new Cloud Nothings record called The Shadow I Remember, and shortly thereafter, Dylan and I connected for our first ever conversation about his earliest interest in music, lo-fi recording, and forming Cloud Nothings, how he's been coping during the pandemic, and our mutual interest in running, why he enjoys working with recording engineer Steve Albini, contributing to a fucked-up record, the massive additions appearing on the frequently updated Cloud Nothings Bandcamp page, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. 
and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past and even very recent podcast guests like Cloud Nothings. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 611th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Dylan Baldy of Cloud Nothings with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi Dylan, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah, how about you? I'm not bad. I'm I'm not bad. Thanks for asking. Where in the world are you? I am at home in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, how long have you lived in Philadelphia? Just about two years. Yeah, maybe a little more. Yeah. And you're from Ohio, is that correct? I am. I grew up for the most part in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Now, what drew you to Philadelphia? First of all, two years in Philadelphia. It's almost a song right there. Why? Two years in Philly, yeah, the, like the saddest country song. Yeah, most boring you know, travel. I drove eight hours, yeah, once. Um, but yeah, I think I came here, or I know I came here, um, because I, uh, my partner and I have been dating for like seven years now, um, but it was a long distance scenario for almost all of that time. Um, and two years ago, she was like, can you just move here? Mm. <laughs> and so I finally did, yeah. So in your, uh, had you played Philadelphia before? Had you visited the city uh, often enough to get a sense of what you were in for? Um, we, I mean, we play it fairly often um, in the band or, yeah, on touring. But I didn't really have like a full grasp, I feel like, of what the city was like, you know, until I started coming and visiting her pretty often. Yeah. And that, yeah. So, you know, I kind of developed a little familiarity with it. Yeah. Are you liking it okay? Yeah. You know, it's it's obviously not... It's fine for the last year. It's fine. <laughs> I'm ready for, you know, it'll be nice when it's uh, more of a city again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you been able to visit Cleveland over the last year or so as we're speaking? No, I went once because we had to, like, film a pretend gig um, and to, like, do, like, a live stream thing. And everyone else lives in Cleveland, so it was easier for me to just, you know, go there and be careful for and then for like three people to come here and try to work that out yeah um so yeah i went there for like a day or two and we practiced once and recorded the show and then i came back so yeah i've been kind of you know homebound since then yeah now who who are you who's in the cloud nothings band uh currently do you want to cite everyone yes it's myself chris brown plays guitar TJ Duke plays bass and Jason Garrish plays drums. Right. Now, how this formation, the thing with Cloud Nothings is some people think, oh, that's that project that Dylan has. Some people are like, but we, he turned it into a band. But then some people are still like, yeah, but isn't that his thing? What is your take on <laughs> what is your take on mm-hmm. Cloud Nothings? Is it a collective expression? Is it mostly still you? Yeah. And some people are like, Cloud what? Yeah. <laughs> Most people on earth um, are not familiar with the band. Um but yeah, it's it's I mean it did start out as just me um kind of just by force, you know. There was uh no one else to play with. <laughs> when I started this band, I didn't really know too many people. Yeah. So I kind of just, you know, started recording things on my own and then gradually I met um everyone else and it did uh really start to feel like more of a band. And now I think if I were to 
try to record, you know, I I do music with other people, um, and it doesn't sound like Cloud Nothings, you know, even though I'm the one writing the song or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely turned into a band that needs uh, some certain core people to kind of make it what it is today. Yeah. So I'm curious about that impulse. I assume did you like a band or particular bands growing up? Uh, that you know, is that what got you into music? Was there anyone in particular that sort of spurred your interest in it? Well, my parents uh, both really were like fans of music and just sort of promoted the arts um, in general around the house. You know, they're both uh, public school teachers in Cleveland and they, my dad like has like a big wall of CDs, you know, Um, and my mom was really into, uh, she, you know, loves to read and she likes uh, a lot of different kinds of music too. Um, So, and they're into like a lot of stuff. So even like you would imagine, you know, you can't really like rebel against them in, in a certain way with music. You know, they're kind of just into everything. Right. So it's a, it's a little hard even to do that. But that was like a nice um, environment to grow up in. And kind of, you know, through that, I found out like, oh, I like music too. Um, so I just started playing and, you know, getting into it through basically just it being around all the time. Yeah. yeah. But were there any particular artists that you enjoyed? Like, I appreciate that they fostered an environment where you felt like you could like music and that maybe music was something you could take up potentially I'm gathering that's what you're saying but were were there any particular artists at the time where you're like yeah that's I could maybe do that I mean at the time I started Cloud Nothings no even more formative than that because I think there's a I don't want to get into a superhero origin story uh, about you here (laughs) but there often is a little bit of inception that goes on like I still I was just telling the story the other day I still remember my first sense memory of really consciously listening to music was my cousin played me like a Beatles compilation. And then I was like, oh, what is happening? And then that, I view that as my, that if I have an origin story, it's that. That sent me down the path of seeking out other music, reading books, watching documentaries. Like I wanted to know more about what this was. Did you have anyone like that or any records like that? Hmm. Well, I kind of remember like the first, (laughs) I think the first, I mean, I was into just like sort of general like, classic rock because that was the majority of what you know my parents would listen to so that was coming in but i think the first like cd i bought i'm pretty sure um was something by they might be giants um and i do remember really getting into that band (laughs) um so maybe maybe that kind of planted the seed in some way i don't know that i listened to them and thought i could do this um but i did i do remember being particularly into that band at like a pretty young age yeah okay okay before I continue, is there a dog snoring or sh- are you shuffling cards? There's like a weird sound that comes in intermittently. Yeah, there's a dog next to me. I can't do anything about her. Because, um, yeah, we, we adopted this dog recently after fostering her. And she has no nose or like n- nostrils. Oh. So she's just, it's just like teeth there. You know, you don't see there's nothing. No like sort of lips or whatever dogs have. It's just like teeth um and her her name is lavender you can find her on instagram at lavender town dog um if you want to see her but so she does this like like insane sound all day and night because she really just can't breathe you know it's kind of like a pug or something would do but more pronounced um, because it's there's just no nasal passages there for her but she got a cat scan a couple days ago and they can do a surgery it turns out where they can widen her nostril and kind of do a little adjustment to like her palate and that will make it easier for her to breathe. Oh, so, well, c- yeah. congratulations. She's on the mend. That's great. <laughs> great to hear. I, and I, I, I wasn't, I just want to be clear. I'm not complaining. I was just curious 
because it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's a weird sound. I don't blame. Yeah, you. I, I couldn't tell if you were snoring while you were talking. Like, am I dreaming this? Is one of us just <laughs> having a dream? And yeah, anyway, I want to uh, get back to they might be giants, uh, whom you mentioned. Sure. They might be giants, a duo ostensibly with uh, auxiliary players. I believe. I think that's a well. That's not exactly true, but I think that's they. they do, it's like a core. It's a core. Guys. Yeah, it's yeah. a core two guys. My question stems from your impulse to do everything yourself, and maybe you can sense where I'm going here. I wonder what it was about music that made you think, you know, particularly liking a band, what made you think, I should just do all of this myself. <laughs> I should play everything myself. <laughs> I shouldn't have other people involved. I know technology might be a factor here. I think maybe just maybe a challenge to yourself, but if you can, elaborate upon that. What was the impulse to try to do most of I mean, early on with Cloud Nothings to do things by yourself. Well, a big part of it was straight up not knowing other people um, who would want to play that kind of music with me or like music at all. <laughs> um, mm. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't so much that I like was, you know, very, uh, I had to do it alone. You know, I, I probably honestly would have preferred to do it with other people. But I just really, especially at college, I was kind of real. That's where I started doing this. I went to college for like three months um, and I would come home every weekend basically because I didn't really get to know anyone at school. <laughs> um, I would just like come home to my parents' house and just make these songs alone. And that was kind of how I spent my time <laughs> at school, you know, not going to classes and then coming home and making these songs. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of just by force <laughs> in a way you know i had no choice in my head i was like i i want to make songs and stuff and i want to like have a band but i don't have a band so i guess i'll just do all this alone yeah. does this speak to any aspects of your acumen to make friends uh your social your social <laughs> decorum like are you just like i do not like people or were you shy uh, you know, you're in Cleveland. There's the there's the goddamn Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. There should be some musicians hanging around even out front. Uh, why, why do you feel like you weren't able to, to meet some people? I think it was more that I didn't know, like, how <laughs> to go and, like, meet people playing music, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I had I had friends, um, but they weren't, you know, they weren't musicians. Yeah, I just... They were just friends <laughs> who didn't play music. Simple as that. It's like a circumstances situation. Yeah, that's kind of how a lot of things in the history of my life um, in the band like sort of play out it's like well if i want to do this thing i guess i just have to figure out some way to do it you know that's how we yeah. booked a tour that's how we started the band that's how we you know that's how we did everything yeah so let's home in on this though like how do you get to the point in your how old are you when you start making your own music uh you know building it from the ground up how old are you around that time probably like 16 17 yeah 16 or 17 so is there anything going on in the culture it may be DIY sensibilities, anything going on that makes you feel, you know, that empowers you to think, yeah, I can play the drums. I can play everything myself and it'll sound good. I'll mix it all together. Like I, I'm just trying to get to your psyche at that time. Like what was going on <laughs> that made you think you could do that? Well, yeah, this is probably the age where I start to have things that I feel like influence me in a way, like bands and stuff. I can't, I can't quite say that like going all the way back to, you know, being a, however old I was when I bought they might be giant CDs like I don't really know what that did for me yeah <laughs> in sure my brain but at this point you know when I'm 16 17 or something and it's like 2007 2008 I started getting into basically finding out about uh, music that was super there's like a big kind of lo-fi thing going on <laughs> around that time and it was actually like becoming 
you know, in an underground way, like popular. So I started finding out about all this music around then. And it's a lot of like, it was a lot of West Coast stuff. There's a lot of bands like Eat Skull and who else? There was stuff in Ohio too. Times New Viking, I think started around then. Yeah. Pink Reason. But yeah, like that kind of music was, a lot of it um, is just one person kind of making stuff in a on their own with whatever's available at hand. And it sounds bad. <laughs> and that was like kind of inspiring to me to be like, well, if these people are making music that sounds like this and like someone online or something is writing about it and I like it, you know, maybe I maybe I can do that too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and in terms of sort of your aesthetic, do you have a sense of where was it any of those bands like their sound that uh, maybe inspired yours in, in any way? Yeah, definitely. Well, a lot of those bands write are wrote um what were essentially just like pop songs in a way, but just like filtered through this layer of like unlistenable recording equipment. <laughs> I mean like in like you know garbage noise. But beneath all that, there was like a a nice song that you know it could have been a Beatles song or something, you know, just like a like a pop song. Yeah. Um, and I liked that kind of obfuscation of the song, and I I think my first couple or the very first Cloud Nothings record was my little attempt at kind of making the little lo-fi, uh, you know, trashy sounding thing. But that still had like these nice songs that were if you could get past the production, you would like be like, oh, this song is good. Yeah. Yeah. So these are uh, this is the work that kind of wound up shaping turning on. Is that fair? Yeah, basically. And around then too, I was getting into a little more like even stuff that was a little more like atmospheric in its lo-fi ambitions. Like that album, I remember really listening to a lot of a guy named Julian Lynch, hmm. who is actually I think he's in real estate now. Um, but he at the time was just doing like solo stuff, and he put out a record called Orangey Glad that is like a it's just like a beautiful little lo-fi kind of ambient pop <laughs> record. It's hard to explain. Um, but I remember really like listening to that a lot too and being like, well, this is just one guy doing these like complicated arrangements, you know, let, yeah. let me try this. Yeah. I think like you, I'm drawn to the notion of, I don't want to say distorted cause that has a guitar connotation, but like, I like the notion of something having an infectious quality to it, a pop quality to it, but it's kind of mired in a mess. Uh, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of corrosive or caustic or something. Uh, that I kind of know where that comes from for me. Do you know where that comes from for you? Like this notion of, yeah, I want to put something across that gets in people's heads, but I also want it to give them a slight headache. <laughs> I want them to be just a little unsettled by the, the way it's packaged, if that makes any sense. Do you know where that kind of comes from for you? For sure. Um, well, for me, that just feels more realistic. <laughs> um, it feels more like, and when I hear something like that, I can hear the almost like the act of creating it in a way um, more so than I do with something that's like very pristine um, and clear. Mm. That stuff kind of hits me as just like a, you know, it's like buying a toothpaste or something. It's like I, this means nothing to me, and I, I guess I have to do this. Um, and it's, <laughs> you know, it's just this thing that exists, and I guess I, you know, I'm gonna deal with it whether I like it or not. Um, but yeah, hearing this thing that is kind of like you know, you got to put a little bit of effort into it, kind of like you have to do with you know things that are actually worth doing in you know life. Um, I think I like that yeah. philosophically <laughs> about the that kind of music. Yeah. So you you begin your trajectory ostensibly on your own when do other people start to enter the picture and when like when do you start to find some kindred spirits in the type of art and music you want to make pretty much right after i i had made like one cloud nothings album and it was i just 
some guy on my this was MySpace times. Um, so some guy on MySpace in California named Kevin Greenspawn. Um, and he runs a label called Bridgetown. Um, and he just hit me up out of nowhere and was like, hey, I'll put out a tape of, you know, Cloud Nothing stuff. And I was like, all right, here's eight songs. You know, I sent them over. And so I had this tape. Um, and then also through MySpace, uh, a promoter in New York uh, got in touch and was like, do you want to come play a show in New York? And I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and like not saying like there's no band. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I suddenly was like, I have to find a band. And I had at one point met uh, TJ, the guy who plays bass in Cloud Nothings. Um, I had met him through this like circuitous route of I had played in like a high school rock off, like a rock, like a band contest. I don't know what you call it. Um, it was called the high school rock off. Rock off? Um, huh. The rock like a, off. Like a yeah. battle, like a uh, battle of the bands. Battle of the Bands. That's yeah. the, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Just so you know, I like Rock Off better. I don't know why. It's vaguely, I it vaguely too. references masturbation uh, somehow, or or <laughs> at least you know coming. And I like that part of it. And then just better than Battle of the Bands is such an unsavory, you know, connotation for me. So Rock Off. You had a Rock Off, and then what happened? Yeah, there was a minor Rock Off, <laughs> um, and we absolutely nobody liked this band i was in um except for one guy um this guy eric schulte who is kind of like a little cleveland like indie pop guy um and he he was judging um the thing and i guess my band was just really strange i don't even really remember it but he was friends with tj and told tj like hey you gotta like like meet this guy <laughs> like who did this weird thing so i met tj through that um and ended up being like hey tj can you play bass on this thing because i have to go play a show <laughs> you know and i need a band yeah. and so i got tj tj knew jason our drummer and then they both kind of knew our original guitarist joe um so it just kind of formed through that yeah so what was it like for you to give your songs over in a sense to these people you know these people you met through your, it's interesting so your music just became a calling card for friends that's kind of funny in itself or interesting isn't it mm-hmm. like is that did you have that some people you know the worst of us sometimes make music for the worst reasons. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, they want to meet women. They want to make money, <laughs> you know, just like stuff that clouds maybe their musical judgment or their artistic judgment. But it sounds to me like you had none of that. However, one of the offshoots is you went from not knowing people to knowing people. So I like the, and I hopefully I'm not reading too much into that, but I like the notion that you made music in isolation and it became social it made you maybe a little social it made you friends is that do you ponder that is that does that fascinate you that music has brought you you know connected you with all these people fans people like me (laughs) well yeah that's the point in my mind (laughs) you know that's like the whole reason to do it um you know to build some kind of community around this thing that is you know important to me yeah um and that's how i you know even i was saying like i had friends who weren't musicians um you know in high school and stuff but i became friends with them just by basically talking about like oh do you like this band (laughs) you know that's like how i made friends in school right um so even like you know growing beyond that and that's how i still basically make friends today you know (laughs) just like being like i'll play music with someone and then you know start that's how the friendship starts essentially or you know you'd go on a tour with someone at this point like that and yeah you start a friendship that way so yeah all, all, all that comes from music and building a community through you know playing and just sort of being around music all the time that's like what you know I like that. <laughs> I mean, I like other people who like that too, it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I want to get back to where I was initially going, which is that's a big thing to have controlled every aspect of 
your expression and then you kind of have to give it over to people. What was that initially like for you? Like to, to have these, I assume, I'm guessing, people are like, oh, good, you wrote everything? You wrote all the parts? I don't have to, I just have to kind of figure out what you did? Great, <laughs> that's easy. Uh, is that how it sort of started or was it an instantly more of a collaborative uh, expression? No, it definitely started that way. Yeah, it was just sort of like, hey, I made this stuff. Like, can you just play it? <laughs> yeah, because like, I got to go play this show. Yeah. But even like right away, like I did notice, like me and our drummer, especially uh, Jason, there would be points while we were practicing or something that like, you know, TJ would, <laughs> we had funny practices at the beginning where like people would just sort of stop playing and like go do other things while we, like in the, it was, you know, kind of a real ramshackle process. Um, <laughs> but like Jason and I had like a, a very instant, like kind of musical connection in a way where we, it kind of immediately felt like we could both play with one another in a very natural way um right away yeah. um so that was kind of fun to realize that you know and it that kind of grew into being able to do that with everyone else and that's like how i almost felt more comfortable after this first record you know where i had done everything myself it kind of you know it was nice to sort of cede control <laughs> in that way to some other people because i you know trusted them yeah yeah and that's a big thing i mean i assume you, I, I know actually from my own ex- experience you create something and you kind of want to it can be a bit of a task to convince everyone to be on side with your vision of a thing because other people are creative too and they have ideas and and you have to kind of be like oh okay yeah actually yeah that works that works with my idea like i assume you're you're at peace with that now because you've made records as a band you've worked with other people you like collaborating with people it's not a chore or anything no yeah but i mean i don't like collaborating with everyone um there's lots of people that i would never want to do anything with um but i mean in general i feel like it's pretty easy for me to tell like i'm gonna like playing with that person <laughs> you know yeah. and that's like that's kind of how i pick it yeah yeah now you did sort of the sort of uh i guess promotional material around the new album uh the shadow i remember which by the way fantastic i really enjoy it thank you yeah there's sort of some information circulating, or there was when the album came out, that <laughs> uh, you did sort of revisit your earliest expression, particularly turning on. Like something about that time, the way you worked, had some profound impact, I, I, I've read, on how you approached the shadow, I remember. If, is this correct? And if so, please expand. How did revisiting that period of your life and the way you made music impact this batch of songs i mean yeah the rumors are essentially true the rumors are Um, true okay just making sure (laughs) yeah i uh i think basically it was like a a work ethic scenario um where i i feel like there's a couple records um prior to this most recent one um where i would go with sort of long periods of time without even like touching a guitar (laughs) you know i would just be we are we'd be on tour for so long that i wouldn't be able to do anything you know yeah and when i got home i didn't you know i'd be like i don't want to deal with this for now (laughs) like i need some time away Hmm. so like kind of revisiting the sort of i would just make songs constantly back in like 2008 2009 whatever it is when this turning on came out yeah and that you know there was fun <laughs> I mean I like kind of discovered new things every time I would make a song you know and I was, I was thinking about that and I was like huh maybe I should do that again um and so I did um and for like honestly for the majority of 
last year and a little bit of 2019 um, towards the end, I was like making a song every day. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there is like a shocking amount of music that I made this last year. Um, and we were kind of able to, you know, pare down. We had a ton of stuff already by the time we were going to make this album. And it was, cause that was last February. Hmm. And I think we pared it down from like, 40 songs or something to the 11 that made it on the record but yeah just kind of like redeveloping this sense of like i need to do a music thing (laughs) every day um or else like what am i what am i doing um 40 songs seems like a lot do you have is that an unusual outburst for you well yeah because i was i had been taking more time off (laughs) basically in the uh, prior to that so okay you know if you make a song every day uh, 40 songs is like a month and change yeah so it's sort of just it just started happening where I would just do these things constantly and yeah. build up this big body of stuff. That's fascinating. You, you Earlier you said uh, somewhere around 2008 you were, what, 16 or 17? Is that what you said? I think I was probably 17 in 2008. Yeah. 2008, 17. So if I do, let me just do some subtraction. Are you 30 now? How old are you? I am 29. 29. Yeah, I'll, be 30, I'll be 30 soon. Okay. <laughs> so you're heading to 30. For some, that's a milestone. Uh, of some kind it's a shift do you feel that do you feel that like oh god i'm gonna be 30 do you have that i have that every couple of days about every age that i've been (laughs) since i was about like 16 (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this is nothing this is nothing new i am prepared to turn 30 and probably still be sitting in my house and waiting for things to open up yeah it'll be it'll be fine well, you, are you? How old are you? I'm 43. As I, as we're speaking, I am 43. If someone is listening to this later, I'll be older. But for now, for today, <laughs> I'm 43. Uh, I, well, happy birthday! Thank you very um, much. Happy birthday to you in advance, <laughs> if you. I might say. Yeah. There's yeah, a whenever the birthdays are. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff swimming around in in this line of questioning, I suppose, because. A, I find it fascinating that you are in some sort of reflective zone where you felt compelled, consciously or subconsciously, to revisit your first batch of expression, like to go back to turning on, to figure out something about how you wanted to work on this new record. And then the second part is, like you just said, you know, age, whatever. Uh, There's a lyric on the song Oslo that stuck out to me. Am I older now or am I just another age? Am I at the end or will there be another change? You seem to be in a reflective mode is all I'm getting at. To revisit something you made so long ago and have just to see what, to try to get a sense of who you were maybe, if not the work ethic or the, the practices. Like I think that's telling. So that's why I'm, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you here, but do you feel a little <laughs> like you're reflecting on your past in this with this record and maybe just these days is that something that you 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 have a sense of yeah i mean i do that constantly um ever since i I don't yeah uh, for a long time now (laughs) um that's kind of been my general mode of uh just like how my brain uh functions you know i'm always kind of just i obsess over minute details of the past and possibly of the future um and of you know and trying to just uh, I just I just think about it a lot, you know, and trying to be like the the current version of me feels very uh, important at different stages for whatever reason, you know, and trying to just be like, who am I right now? And that's like trying to figure that out through either like, you know, reflecting on the things I have done you know, prior. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I just mean like my life since then, you know, uh, how I envision a future <laughs> for myself also, you know, and trying to combine both those things into just some sort of standard current me. Yeah. 
Well, so many of us have had this existential angst over the the last year or so since the pandemic really came on, you know, like I think a lot of us are like, not only who am I, what am I doing, but also what are we doing? Why are we behaving like this? Like the things we do, I don't, I I should, before I get into this, have you learned anything about yourself uh, during this pandemic that has stuck out for you or learned anything about the way you're meant to behave or we're meant to behave <laughs> like where you're like, what the hell? Like, remember when we had to do all that stuff? Why did we do all that stuff? Are we going to have to do that stuff again? Have you had those thoughts? <laughs> have you had those thoughts at all? No. Cause I liked what I did. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I enjoyed touring. I enjoyed playing music with people and, you know, seeing people and things. And I, I've never had a single moment of being like, what am I, am I supposed to do that again after, you know, I, I, I see that people saying that all the time on online and stuff too. And like, you know, through many different, you know, avenues of work, not just people who play music. Um, but mm. it makes me sad, <laughs> you know, but it's also kind of hopeful yeah, that these people maybe had that kind of internal realization where like, Oh, I needed, you know, I needed a break from life to kind of realize I'm going in the wrong direction here, you know? So if, if everyone has their own little, existential crisis maybe the world will somehow be a better place after all this is said and done yeah yeah you hope so but when i read when i listen to what you're singing on this new record and uh if i ponder the lyrics like it does seem to me that you're you're questioning a lot of stuff here and wondering and and also just uh i don't know pondering what life is what it means how long it lasts these sorts of things is this kind of stuff on your mind or was it yeah, I mean that stuff is again on my mind constantly. Um, and, Always, and almost yeah. in a way of like uh, writing about it in songs is almost an attempt to avoid obsessing over it day to day life wise, <laughs> you know. So I can like just like have some little you know thing I do where I can just like get that little thought out and be like ah that's that's gone now. <laughs> yeah, I can I can get rid of that from my head for a second because um, you know the lyrics on all the records kind of are essentially about what you're talking about um, yeah. you know and it, yeah. it's not like it's it hasn't advanced too far because it's not like there's answers to a lot of the kind of questions i raise and things like that it's just me you know asking them in different words <laughs> and in different ways so yeah it's stuff that i constantly think about and if i didn't have some little artistic you know outlet <laughs> to get them out there that's my way of discussing it basically <laughs> like putting it in this song and letting other people hear it and think what they will about it i guess yeah you say there's no answers after going through writing exercises like this or, or singing them, which, I mean, I think singing something also changes it, changes what you've written, changes the meaning, uh, the way you emote, the way you express yourself. There's no answers per se. Wait, let me just reframe that. Are there no answers for us or in clearing? Like you're doing a neural pathways thing here. You're writing stuff down that's on your mind and that does something to your brain. Okay, I've excised this a little bit or I figured it out a little bit. I've articulated my thoughts and feelings about something. Your brain says, okay, you're done. You're done pondering that a little bit. It's there, but you're kind of done. So there's not answers maybe for us unless we read into them, of course, but do you feel better after doing these things? Do you feel like <laughs> I, I, I've, I have some, I'm at peace with some of these thoughts and feelings for a time. Yes. Um, until, you know, until they creep back in. But I think I kind of, I kind of do that in a lot of different aspects of my life where every couple of years or something, I'll be like, why do I have all this stuff? You know? And I'll just like sell a bunch of my shit <laughs> and be like, all right, now I feel better. Right. You know, um, or I'll, uh, how else do I do this? I, you know, I, 
I guess that's a big one. That's like a lot of people don't really do that. No, you you sound like a declutterer. All in of, a way, all of yeah. the stuff, the stuff, the material stuff, like the physical. I don't know why your my mind when you said that I thought of records for some reason because I have too many records I've been buying. That, that is something I try to get rid of. Like, <laughs> you know, every couple of years I'll do a little like, do I really need all these? Yeah, yeah I'll keep a couple or not a couple, but you know, yeah. I'll keep so, a but <laughs> so, so, and sell a bunch. But uh, that's good. Yeah. You're that's healthy. You're conscious of the clutter. You're not just letting it pile up. And then maybe that's the same as the thoughts in your brain. Maybe I don't know. It kind of is, and even this last year, I, I think I've been extolling the virtues of this in like every interview I've done for the last you know couple of weeks here. Yeah. Um, but I got into like running, um, like long distance running, um, because that almost feels like it kind of like resets your brain in a way. Yeah. If you do it like first thing in the morning and you run far, <laughs> um, you know, it kind of is just like a whatever you was bothering you, I guess, in the morning just kind of like fizzles out um, and you can kind of just start your day at like this, you know, kind of almost exhausted blank slate kind of thing. So I, I liked that about running. Yeah. The thing with the running is, because uh, I only started it in the last few years myself uh, to deal mm-hmm. with anxiety and also just to do some exercise. But I used to find, because I have day jobs, that if I didn't do it when I normally did it in the morning, I'd feel bad about myself the whole day. And I would try to make myself do it later, but then by that point, I have children, we have food to cook, we have all this stuff, and I would lose it. But because of the pandemic, if I'm not, if I didn't have a good sleep, and I'm like, I don't feel like doing my run, I wait a few hours, and I can do it. I can do it later, because I've done my work, and there's time, and I just make time to do it. Nothing, you know what I'm doing a lot of, because it's, I'm calling you from Edmonton, Alberta, where my family and I moved uh, last last January of 2020. And then, okay. and then the world collapsed. So sorry, I still I blame us for moving from Ontario. I think, I really think the <laughs> you caused it. I think maybe somehow like the whole world stopped when we couldn't enjoy stuff in Ontario anymore. Like I think that's not <laughs> a coincidence. But anyway, I run the the stairs in my house. I go from the basement oh. to the top floor, and it's like a column. You know, it's two flights of, or uh, four flights of stairs. I guess you know what I mean. So I sure, I yeah. run that. And I do it, and I do a little other stuff. Uh, it's good. I wor- I just I don't have to go out, put on my winter stuff, and slip on the ice. I just mm-hmm. do it in my house. And it to your point, I'm sorry to take up so much time, but to your point, okay. to your point, I think it really does help. And I, whenever people say I can't sleep, I'm stressed out, I say, Have you tried running? Because all that nervous energy and anxiety or whatever you have, you might burn a bit of it by doing a run. Is that somewhere? Is that what inspired it to some degree for you? I think so. Yeah. That and like, I, I, you know, before running, I was into like, I would bike really far. <laughs> you know, I would just ride, get on like, my bike and just ride very far. Um, mm. And on this one trail in Cleveland, that just, it goes for a long time. <laughs> so I would do that every day. You know, I've always, I've always kind of like having a little like, it's, I guess it's a morning routine in yeah. a way. Um, but it does kind of just like empty the, you know, you're starting from empty at that point, and that's that's nice <laughs> to have that like to, to do in the day. Yeah, that's crazy. You do your stairs. That's exhausting. How many times? Well, do you I, do that? I I've set it up. I, uh, I I do it for like twenty twenty five minutes, uh, and Ooh, then I, okay. I do a little. I don't know how far that is. I don't know anything about it. Uh, it is it is taxing, and I am starting to feel it in my knees a bit more than I do when I used to just do my runs uh, which would be mm-hmm. i don't know you said long distance running how long are you running for because don't don't get it twisted i'm not some marathon runner here i'm doing my best uh but how, <laughs> how far how long i should say like uh, how many hours or, or minutes are you running yeah i got my first marathon in right before the pandemic oh congratulations um, and i had i had signed up for another one that was supposed to be happening 
at some point last year. I can't even remember when. Maybe May. Yeah. But obviously, you know, didn't do it. So yeah, I just like I keep up a pretty steady practice of just you know, as if I was training for a non existent race. <laughs> you know, I kind of like have this little schedule I keep to. So know. do you mind just I'm just I because I, I'm now I'm just making small talk about running because I I, <laughs> I set the clock on the microwave uh, and I don't turn it on, obviously. And then as I'm running and I'm getting more and more tired, I ask either my son or my daughter to be like, how much time is left? And, <laughs> and my daughter doesn't quite understand how the clock works. She's only six. Uh, but my son will be like three minutes. I'm like, OK, I can do this. But I don't know. There is. I'm self-conscious. Like twenty-five minutes doesn't seem like a lot. I normally, if I was running outside, I would run longer. But do you have a sense? Like, how much time do you spend running? I mean, it really depends on the week, I guess. But I feel like I'll, you know, during the week, it kind of. I got. I I fell off of the the full-on marathon zone okay. over this pandemic, okay. and I started just like keeping it more like like a half marathon training schedule. Right. So in the week, I would run like three miles on Tuesday, four on Wednesday, three on Thursday. Like 40 minutes? Like you're running like 40 minutes to an hour maybe? Is that right? Per day? Yeah, yeah, per day. No, I, I go pretty fast. Oh, you're going <laughs> um, fast. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I think uh, Sorry, maybe I, like 20. Oh, hmm? I, I'm getting the kilometers and the miles mixed up, I think, because I'm oh, in Canada. Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. Sorry. I, I used to have a thing where I think I calculated I was running six kilometers every time I went running outside in my house in Guelph, Ontario. And okay. so, so that was, uh, that. but I was not fast. Like, it would vary. I, if I could get under, if I could get to 25, 30 minutes, that was good. But it was, I was not, I was just, I don't know. I'm not the fastest runner. I take my time. <laughs> I yeah, try, sure. I, I'm usually beat and exhausted and sweaty. And I remember before my son was born, I lost all this weight because I just decided to start running regularly. And mm-hmm. uh, so it feels like it's doing something. But then I also, I have like weird fitness self-consciousness, like I'm not doing it right or I'm not doing enough of it. And I feel like that's a mental block for lots of people when it comes to exercise. Don't you find that? I do. Um, and I, I kind of treat it the same way I did like starting the band basically being like, I got to just do this, I guess, <laughs> like somehow yeah. you know, and just yeah. do it whatever way it works. But yeah, you, I, I don't know, man, you running upstairs like that, you'll be able to like kick a hole through <laughs> Canada sometime soon. <laughs> I don't know. That's insane. I, I, that seems, that seems much more exhausting than just running. Well, you know? we were, went for a walk cause it is pretty icy and treacherous outside. And I, I think I will say because I've been taking the pandemic maybe a bit more seriously than some people. And what they were saying mm-hmm. at the outset was like, please don't put yourself in a position where you might get injured doing like something stupid because oh, the hospitals yeah, be were taking up space. Yeah. We're so busy. Like if you trip and fall running and you fall on your head, we just don't have the capacity. So I was like, okay. Cause I was, we were walking, my family and I were walking in our new neighborhood and I saw a giant, you know, we're in the forested kind of area and there's like a giant staircase that goes from a trail all the way up to the street level. And it's like a hill, a giant hill. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll just run stairs. And I've never done that before, uh, actually, but it just occurred to me. And then I looked at our, and then I was like, but they don't want you to fall and trip. I'm not going to fall mm-hmm. in my house. Probably. Although my mom said that don't fall please don't fall on the stairs. <laughs> and as she may have a, a might have thing. a point, but yeah, yeah. I, it's, I appreciate that you're encouraging me. I feel like you're encouraging me. And I appreciate that because my wife has too. She's like, no, I think the stairs is probably more strenuous than you think, you know, and, uh, probably doing more good, but my knees are a little sore. I'm not wearing shoes. I'm running barefoot. Is that bad? 
I think there's people who will tell you that is good and people who will tell you that's, that's bad. That's what she said. You know? That's exactly I don't, what she I don't said. truly know the science behind it. Do you yeah. remember there was a few there's... years ago those shoes that looked like feet? You ever, ever encountered those? I, I, I do, yeah. I forget what those are called. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were people who like swore by those. And there's a whole, what's the whole book? Uh, have you read Born to Run? Oh, well, I, the Bruce Springsteen book? Yeah, the Bruce Springsteen biography where he just <laughs> runs barefoot across New Jersey. Um, I don't think I've read that actually. No, but is it? It's, it's a, about running. It's a good book, um, but it's about running and this sort of like I don't know what the word is. I was about to say tribe, but that feels so oh. wrong. Um, a group of people in Mexico um, who run. Oh. Uh, they it's like a small like you know clan of people who would go back you know, however long um but they've just been running and running and running and they're like the fastest people in the world basically oh and they running is a huge part of their culture and they uh you know it's just about how and they all kind of run barefoot basically are in these little like you know not sand- sandals made of like sticks or something you know some oh, like okay. imaginary shoe and yeah so the book kind of it's about like their you know how incredible that is and then kind of strays into like a little bit of is barefoot running good hmm so it's a good book. It's like a fun kind of fast read. It's something you would buy at like the airport, you know, if you're like, ah, oh, I forgot a book <laughs> and I got to like go on a long flight. Like maybe you'd pick up this book. It's like, or that like kind if of you're, quality. if you're late for your flight and you're looking for pointers to get to the terminal, you'll pick up the book and then be like, I gotta catch my flight running to the gate. <laughs> yeah. Take, take your shoes off. And <laughs> run. Yeah. This book seems good. I probably shouldn't have stopped to get it, but still, and then you, you make it there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate all of this. Cause like, I just assumed uh, there was part of me, like I end up sweaty you know, worn out from it. I sleep better, but there was part of me that was doubting myself about like, are you running up your own stairs barefoot? Come on, man. You think this is a work? And I do push ups and other stuff to try to augment it, you know, just to keep, mm-hmm. I've never done any of this stuff like this. I don't know. I'm trying to make the most of the pandemic, I guess is my point. Are you trying to make the most of the pandemic? Are you able to do that even though you can't go touring? I love this pandemic. Let me tell you. Yeah. I have I've been having a great time. I've made the most of it. I I am a whole new man. Um I think I I mean generally I've been keeping very busy actually and like you know I've been like kind of being healthy and you know doing as good as I can. So yeah. I think it would be fair to say I'm making the most of this pandemic. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. I just want to I'm I was glad you are too. Checking in about that. Uh ironically you know, you've put out a band record, uh, Cloud Nothing's band record. You've revisited the music you made in isolation now, and now you moved from Cleveland to Philadelphia. You're away from your band. You, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Are you? <laughs> are you back to? Are you? Have you been working uh, because of this forced isolation? Have you been working on songs yourself, uh, writing and potentially even recording things, just to see if you can still do that on your own? Well. Yes, um, I have. <laughs> I have been, um, and we've been. We actually have a ridiculous amount of material we've released all over the course of this pandemic. We put out two full-length records, then we do like an EP of four songs every month um, that we give on like Bandcamp to people who subscribe oh. to it. Um, so we, yeah, it's it's just me writing everything and playing everything, and I send it to our drummer Jason, and he can record the drums at his house, and he'll send it back to me. I'll re-record everything on top of his drum track and sing on it, send it back to him, and he'll kind of like mix it. And then we have a friend in New York who masters everything. And then that's that's been our process <laughs> for the last year. That sounds like, you know, that sounds like a lot of work. Is it is it as much work as that sounded like? It can be, yeah. And it's like kind of, you know, I wish it was 
you know, playing the songs the second time after I get the drum track, that's the part where I'm like, ah, I wish I didn't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, but, but I kind of do just to make sure everything's like super locked in. But it's, you know, it's an exhausting way to work and much harder than just like standing next to a drummer and being like, let's go. <laughs> you know, you got to like do a lot of a lot of email, a lot of bouncing of files. Yeah. Well, the spirit of the song, are you are you someone that normally is like so enamored with the demo that it's hard to move on from it? You know what I mean? Like that first thought and first instinctual performance of a song, you know, obviously you've gone through it probably a few times and figured it out, but that I know some of us get like, wow, that's it. The magic is in that first real playthrough. You know what I mean? Are you someone like that or are you are you able to let go of that that Mm, I think I am like that a lot, um, and especially because you know I'm still kind of drawn to stuff that sounds <laughs> bad. Sure, <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's been funny like in being in this band that makes you know a little bit more hi-fi of a record um, than I sometimes even listen to regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of funny to do that, but also I almost don't make demos at this point. Like I've I've learned better than to like make this demo and be like i love this demo and then record it and be like i hate this song yeah you know i just i want the i want to not even have to think about that so you know sometimes often really when we're recording something in the studio or something that'll be the first truly realized like version of the song that i hear so it feels like the the one to me but the process you're describing of recording a version of a song all by yourself sending it to your drummer and then re-recording it isn't that first thing uh, re-recording all the parts to match his parts, uh, or or to play with him rather? I guess is that not mm. demo esque? <laughs> yeah. Well, these. I mean, these and the sound quality. Everything about these is. You know, we've just been giving people a chance to listen to our demos for about a year. Oh, okay. um, so it's you know it's they're they're good. They're all good songs. I'm totally happy with all this music. Um, but you know, in a in a world that wasn't riddled with uh an evil disease <laughs> i guess we would you know have not released all these songs you know we would have done something else this year um yeah. and maybe save some of these for something down the line but for now it's just like open sketchbook you know yeah well for a, a fellow who likes uh things to sound bad you sure have worked with steve albini a few times now haven't you <laughs> <laughs> twice twice yeah. Yeah. some would say you know, who's just i was reading uh Elvis Costello, like, randomly was just, like, talk shit on Steve Alpini in some interview. Yeah. Did you see this interview? Well, I talked... Steve was just on my show in December. Oh, so okay. he, uh, Steve's Steve's on the show, or has been anyway, historically, uh, at least once a year. And <laughs> I make a point of uh, asking him to come back. And usually, in the last couple of years, I think, it's been around December, so we can talk about the uh, Letters to Santa program he's involved in with... Uh, Oh yeah, that one's great. So anyway, uh, yeah, as it happened, I don't. Yeah, as it happened, the Elvis Costello thing had just happened, (laughs) and Steve had some fun with it, just being like, "I don't care, like whatever." Like I don't know, I don't know why he thought to do that, or I mean, he doesn't in the Elvis thing. He didn't even cite Steve's name. He just said the guy who made that record sucks. (laughs) I know, and which is a bit different than Steve Earle a few years ago really went after. Uh, Steve Albini and I, I oh I missed that I one. invoked it to my friend Steve and your friend Steve uh, and he was like right yeah I don't know I, what am I supposed to do everyone's entitled to their opinion like I don't know where they're coming from <laughs> I don't imagine it's calculating but I assume some of these older guys might know that if I talk about Steve it's going to make the news and 
because he might respond. I don't know. It's very confusing. <laughs> anyway. It is weird. Well, I think he is just a person who, he's just himself. Um, and that draws like serious opinions out of people sometimes <laughs> when someone kind of just is who they are and you can't like, you know, they're not going to like, you know, bullshit you. <laughs> I'm like some people like that and some people Yeah, don't, but it know? also seems weird to invoke someone who has a reputation for drawing authentic sounds and expression from people and presenting it that way. I feel like it just highlights your own artifice. Like, you know, the he doesn't produce the records. He just engineers them. Well, what are you doing, Elvis? Like, what are you doing, Steve, Steve Earl? Like, what are your, you're kind of just suggesting that, you know, there's this layer of gloss on your shit. And anyway, I didn't mean to go down this road. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, we need, we need to get a little zoom call going. Steve Earl. Yeah. I don't really, the other guy. (laughs) You, you can, I can try to moderate a thing, but uh, to my earlier point, Mr. Albini does not care. Uh, it's whatever it, he's, (laughs) what did he say to me? He's got the skin, skin of a rhino at this point, because at this point, everyone's just throwing stuff at him. But yeah, anyway, you've worked with Steve twice. What is it about him and his work that has drawn you to uh, not only seek him out the first time, but go back? I mean, honestly, I just like the guy. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, it's just by chance that he happens to make these incredible sounding records. But yeah, the first time we did it, it was just a recommendation from our label, uh, Car mm-hmm. Park. And he was like, "What? why don't you work with Steve Albini? And I think at the time I was like, you can just do that (laughs) like that's something you can just do um and it turns out yes uh, that's something anybody can. yeah exactly that's Um, a that's a weird misnomer that he's i mean he is very or he used to be very busy the pandemic i think has shifted things obviously and that's what we talked about um in terms of his business model and what's going on electrical but no you just contact him and he'll if he's got time he'll schedule in i I hope everyone realizes that and it sounds like you did i hope so too yeah, well, yeah, we figured it out, <laughs> and he had some time, and we went there and recorded, and I was like, uh, maybe I was maybe I was 20. I was 19 or 20 when we did it, so I was just a little, like, freaked yeah. out, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was super nice then and really easy to work with, and it kind of just felt like, like uh, you know, he reminded me of people I know in Cleveland, um, and it's, so it almost felt like going to, like, your friend's house to do something, but, you know, your friend is like a very talented producer with like a very nice yeah. studio so that was great and, you know, and he was just about like doing the work and i was like oh this is great yeah i like i we came here to make this record and that's all we're doing it's like a really nice simple process and everything just made sense um and then we've done stuff with other people since then and none of it's been like we haven't had just an outright like bad experience with anyone or something but there's there's just like a kind of personality What's the opposite of clash? <laughs> What's uh, the, uh, personality mesh, uh, mesh meshing, yeah, uh, meeting, a, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we just kind of have we're more similar to Steve <laughs> than we are to a lot of the other people we worked with. So yeah, just doing it with him kind of just it, feel, it felt right to go back there again and try it out. Yeah. When you when you you've said it, I think a couple or we've talked about it a couple times. Maybe you said it once, and I've said it fifteen times. But this notion of something sounding bad—is there any equivalency between some for you between something sounding bad and something sounding real? Mm. No, um, but I guess it's not so much that like the I guess the real thing is you know that's more of what. Steve is up to. I feel like real and bad are different things. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, they are. They <laughs> yeah. are. They are. Yeah. But when you say you're drawn to stuff that doesn't, I feel like when you say drawn to stuff that doesn't sound 
Or sorry, you didn't say this. You said you're drawn to stuff that sounds bad. <laughs> and to me, like in my mind is like, does that do you mean it just doesn't sound overproduced, glossy? It sounds like a, maybe a first thought, best thought kind of expression without like just I'm going to I'm going to make some music now in the air. These microphone microphones are going to capture it. Hopefully they're connected okay. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully. I think I kind of mean like where you can almost like the recording process is almost like an inseparable part of yes. the, the charm of the record <laughs> in a way, you know, where you yeah. can't like, you know, take like if it had been produced differently, it might not be, you know, it might not affect you the same way. So I think, you know, anything that feels realistic in that way, you know, where like you hear it and it sounds like, oh, I hear the way these people made this thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of almost what I meant. You know, I'm, that's kind of what I mean by th- bad <laughs> because when something sounds you know quote unquote good i don't tend to hear that process you know i don't i just see like the finished product out there yeah and i don't you know i listen to it and i think like well i don't hear any i don't hear any process i like the process <laughs> like let, let me in yeah. well there might be some schools of thought where if you're elvis costello and you're listening to a steve <laughs> albini record you're like i hear the process too much maybe i don't know but like uh, i always have loved the sound of his records and, uh, and you know, it's for me, it's instantaneous. Sometimes I'm listening to something and not knowing who made it. And I can tell, I can tell Steve made it. I'll be like, that's the, wait a minute, what's going on? Either Steve or Bob Weston is involved in this somehow. And then I look <laughs> and I'm like, sure enough. So that is a marker of something, maybe just the way my ears are attuned to pick out their approach. But it comes through and like, it comes through on the shadow. I remember if I might say as well. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's something about like, you know, because he's done some records where I do feel like if he's recording just like a rock band in general, if you hear the record, you can be like, oh, that sounds like, you know, and I'll be yeah. the record because he does sort of just capture like quite literally what a band sounds like, you know, so it's like, yeah. I I know what a band sounds like. And when I hear something that sounds like a band, you know, maybe it, maybe it's Steve Albini. Yeah. Um, but he's done lots of stuff where it, what's I don't know. He did like that Joanna Newsome record. Yeah. Where like you listen to that and you're like to me I listen to that and I'm, I don't think that's Steve Albini. You know, no. I think like, oh, this is a ridiculous sounding record. <laughs> and like this almost you know, it has no bearing on the kind of thing he's known for. Um yeah. so yeah, I feel like his approach is most visible on like the, the kind of just band playing. That's yeah. fair enough and I, I would concur for the most part. Yeah. I'm I can, I'm blanking on you mentioned Joanna Newsome, and there's other examples. I think I know what you're getting at, but yeah. Well, anyway, it's it's great. It's great that you two connected and are keeping a keeping connected, staying connected. I must ask, like, it sounds like you're very busy and and trying to stay busy. What's sort of next for you and Cloud Nothings at this point? Yeah. Well, you know, theoretically, people are starting to say like people are touring in the fall, <laughs> so we'll see about that. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what to think about anything along those lines. But I was, I know. was just, uh, I was just g chatting with my friend uh, Mike Halichuk, and uh, he suggested that uh, uh, Cloud Nothings and Fucked Up were supposed to do a tour together. We were, uh, yeah, at some point last year, but you know, couldn't. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he said it was canceled because of the pandemic. But perhaps if things align, maybe you have a relationship with Fucked Up. You've, you've collaborated with them even is that correct <laughs> we did actually yeah that sort of um <laughs> it was a uh, well it was yeah actually it was our first uh remote collaboration <laughs> um yeah we recorded uh some a uh, ridiculous song called like it's hard to be a dad i think yeah. that ended up on there david's town i, I think 
David, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, just like their covers album, our fake covers album. Right. Yeah, it was some conceptual thing that we played a part in a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you've ever... But you yeah, ever... we see them. We see uh, Sandy kind of often whenever we're in Toronto, I think. Saw Damien not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see like... We'll, they'll just sort of like be around sometimes and we'll be like, oh, hey. <laughs> you know, we've just been like friendly with them for a long time. So the tour yeah. would have been fun. I would like to do that. Yeah. Ho- hopefully it gets rescheduled or I assume a lot of rescheduling will be attempted uh, if things do loosen I up. I think so. Yeah. Well, we wanted to tour Canada. That's because we only ever did that once oh. with a band called Japan Droids. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like, you know, a popular Canadian band, I guess. Yeah. And so we got, you know, we went to like Edmonton and uh, oh. all sorts of places that we had never been and that I like didn't even really, you know, coming from America, it's people don't really tour that way across Canada mm-hmm. um, necessarily unless they're doing like a Canadian tour circuit. Like yeah. I think Canadian bands do that a lot, but I feel like American bands don't. So we went to, yeah, just some places that I hadn't even thought about. And I wanted to do even like smaller towns uh, with fucked up, but we'll see. Oh, well I hope that happens. And obviously it'd be nice to see you in Edmonton. Cause I don't, I haven't had a sense. I, I went to three shows before the lockdown and they were mostly by people who were visiting. Um, I didn't get a sense of, what's going on here yet locally so please mm-hmm. please come by and maybe there'll be some local <laughs> openers and maybe i'll uh that would be great i hope that happens are you optimistic that this is gonna happen i saw yeah people are starting to release their fall tour dates given uh you know the information we're getting but how pers- mm-hmm. deep in your soul do you feel like this is actually going to happen um well i don't i actually you know i had actually forgotten about that we were going to do this um with fucked up in particular but I don't see why it wouldn't happen at some point. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, no. Am I allowed? Am I allowed in Canada? Yeah, you are. No, I didn't mean that tour specifically. <laughs> I meant I, I, I meant okay. I meant touring generally. Do you feel like it is? Gonna... Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I, my, I just scheduled my mom for a vaccine. You know, oh, so good. I feel like everyone's parents are getting it now. My girlfriend actually got one because she's uh, in a group that is, uh, you know, supposed to get them now. Okay. Um, so I, I do kind of feel like things are. There's a an optimism <laughs> coming that comes with, maybe with a little bit with warmer weather too. Um, but okay. you know, it's just kind of feeling a little better than it was. If you asked me this like two months ago or something, I would have been like, "Yeah, nobody's ever touring yeah. again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking? Yeah, about? it's a yeah. But all of a sudden, I feel a little better about it. Who knows why? Yeah, it's you know? a week to week thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, if people want to learn more about Cloud Nothings and the Shadow I Remember and and anything else, where would you? You know, if they're seeking you out on the internet, where would you want to send them, per se? I would love for them to go to uh, Bandcamp, um, because that is... We have all our stuff up there. Um, We have... (laughs) Another pandemic thing we did um, was we released... I I think it's 27 live albums. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Because we we just put together all the recordings we could find that people had... Or that we had done or other people had done of us... Like, full shows of us playing live throughout the last 10 years... And we kind of like mixed them a little bit and just put them all up there. So there's there's 27 shows you can Holy listen to. Holy Lord, that's a uh, lot. It is a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And someone just sent me another one actually. That it's it's he recorded it on like a four track outside in like 2010, and it it's, it sounds it sounds nuts. It sounds oh. like a like a there's a there's a Velvet Underground bootleg album that I have where it's mm-hmm. just the amp or just the mic on Lou Reed's amp. 
um, for the whole like live show is all you hear is just like <laughs> just like an insane like grinding sound and like a little bit of a band in the background and that's kind of what this uh, recording that someone just sent me of our show sounds like so I might try to put that out too oh but, cool okay yeah, anyway go to Bandcamp there's all sorts of stuff up there okay cool and if uh, oh if we can go out on a song from the shadow I remember uh, can you pick one and maybe tell us why you chose it uh yeah how about well you know i think my favorite one on there at the moment um is called only light uh and that one (laughs) i'll just i'll the the reason i wrote that song um is because uh my girlfriend said hey you know you've never written a song for me (laughs) (laughs) or like about me or something and i was like ah yeah you're right (laughs) um so you know i I did, um, and that that's that's that song. But it's also like the heaviest, kind of like most intense song on the record, so it's kind of a good juxtaposition. But okay, yeah. so it's romantic, but it's intense and heavy. Yeah, it's like a weird like sci-fi romance thing about being able to rend apart space and time to create a person that you would want to exist if that person didn't already exist. Yeah. Well, that is heavy. You, that's like you got a god complex or something there. That's uh, so, yeah. We can get into that next time. Okay, next time maybe we will do that. <laughs> well, Dylan, yeah. uh, let's let's play it now. This is only light by Cloud Nothings from the excellent new record, The Shadow. I remember, uh, Dylan. This was really really a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope we speak again. And best of luck with everything in the future. I had a great time. Yeah, have fun running the stairs. <laughs> <laughs>
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Very, very special thanks again to Dylan Baldy of Cloud Nothings for appearing on this the 611th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my monthly newsletter. Please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the show. Uh, $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. $6 or more is just one suggestion for extra content. You don't need to do that. It could be $5, $4, $3, $2, $1 a month. Or it could be more than $6 a month. Whatever you feel comfortable with, you can also pay for an annual uh, support subscription. Again, all the details you want are at patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and place special orders at their website there, blackbird.ca. Also, thanks to liveatmasseyhall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian and, I guess, American artists like Cloud Nothings, because there's a Cloud Nothings appearance uh, there on their uh, live at MasseyHall.com. Also want to thank uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some of his uh, music on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Cloud Nothings. Dylan, Baldy, that was fun. I enjoyed it. And uh, if you liked what you heard, uh, check out the back catalog and potentially subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date and figure out what's coming up next and maybe telling your friends about the show if you liked it maybe they'll like it and that'll help us spread the word about it you know how things normally work anyway that's all i have to say i will talk to you very soon thank you for your support and for listening bye for now
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.